So, this year's Rugby International window has finally come to an end after the World Cup, where Wales strangely did better than most expected, but in hindsight, most would say they underachieved. They then bookended this period with a game against the Barbars that was scheduled for just a week after the Rugby World Cup final, which just shows the lack of the belief that the WRU had in Warren Gatlin's team, and just a complete disregard for the four regions who are already struggling with smaller squads this year. But putting all of that aside there for a few minutes, there was a few positives to take from this game. A few young players getting a chance to perform at the top level, another win under the belt for a young squad in transition, and a game that did serve as a perfect platform to thank and say goodbye to some of Wales's modern greats. So, in this video, I'm going to talk about some of the players that impressed me in the Barbars game and reflect on the World Cup and the return of Warren Gatlin to Wales. Also, tipping the cap to the three amazing players who contributed so much to Wales over the past 20 years. So, without any further ado, let's reflect on the 49-26 win over the Barbarians and look at who impressed us in this game. So, the obvious place to start is with the front row and the surprise inclusion of Lloyd Fairbrother at 31 years of age. This was a big surprise because, I mean, he's 31, he's played for the Dragons for about 9 years now and he's never really had much of a look in for the Wales squad. But when you actually look at the surrounding circumstances, you can actually see what Warren Gatland was thinking. We had no Thomas Francis, Kieran Azarati is injured as well as Leon Brown. So the options were few and far between across the ground. So I understand why he's gone with Fairbrother. He said he wanted some experience because we've got a bit of a young team. He did have Harry O'Connor, who is a young prop at the Scarlets at 23. I would have probably preferred to see him start, but I actually do really get what uh, Gatland was thinking here and what his thought process was. And to be fair, I thought Fairbrother was actually really noticeable. He was uh, really aggressive, he was getting stuck into everything, and he actually really looked like he was enjoying himself. So it gives us a little bit of depth, uh, not so much pressure on the young props on the bench, like like I said, Harry O'Connor. It was a nice moment, I guess, for Fairbrother after long service and a lot of effort to the Dragons. As for the other front row, Domachowski really impressed me. I think this was probably his best game in a Welsh jersey so far. The scrum was solid. He was really noticeable in defence particularly. Uh, he was trying to force a few passes. Maybe that's not quite in his game yet, but he's in the positions and he's given things a try. He obviously was clearly hurt with his shoulder, but he refused to go off. He wanted to stay on and he still uh, scrummaged pretty well after that as well. And you can really tell that he's a favourite of Gatland. He's had the opportunity to pick Nicky Smith, who's someone I'm going to talk about now. But he's constantly gone to Jomachowski, so he obviously sees something in the young player. Both hookers were excellent. Uh, Dewey Lake, in particular, was amazing around the park. His carrying was superb. That first try he had, he got smashed from the side. And then he still carried like three players over with a little bit of help from his mates. But... His ball carrying is tremendous, his tackling is tremendous. He's definitely improving his darts, like we've talked about before on the podcast. But this is really where we need to just give him a run of games now and uh, really let him develop and show us what he could be. Elliot D, as he has done a lot in recent times, still made an impact off the bench. Really busy around the park, really excellent. The line-out was good. 
the scrum was pretty solid um you know not perfect but solid enough but i do want to actually talk about nicky smith he can't he can't buy a start at the moment um a lot of people have talked about i don't understand what nicky smith has got to do you see a lot of the pundits uh, on like scrum five and in uh, when you're watching games and stuff say about how good nicky smith is at scrummaging and stuff like that and i'm not an expert at scrummaging so i just sort of went along with them and think they know better than me but i think i know why gatlin doesn't seem to favor him and it's something i've noticed quite a lot watching him recently he does slip off a lot of tackles um i don't know whether it's laziness or the desire or something like that but he's just not solid he does get like sort of whether it's his like balance in his weight but he gets stacked a lot i know he's a big guy you know it's difficult but i think that is probably in my opinion one of his biggest issues uh, his scrummaging is apparently solid but i think the tackling is where he's been letting himself down particularly in recent times um, i've never really noticed this problem with him before but since i've been doing this podcast i've actually been sort of concentrating a bit more on it because a few people have mentioned him in the comments why is he not playing and i think i could be wrong and what do i know at the end of the day but i think this is the reason his tackling is just not up to scratch and maybe you guys can keep an eye out and uh, let me know if you agree with me or if you've noticed the same thing but we've talked about the front row for long enough now anyway let's move on to the second row i was actually really impressed with ben carter i thought he was really really um noticeable again around the park he was quite impactful with his carrying seemed to be in sort of in and around where the game was which is important adam beard continues to steal a career from someone his stupid yellow card for just an absolute i mean i don't know what even know what he was thinking but yeah he's stealing a career i'm not going to give him any more of my attention and then teddy williams when he came to the bench actually was quite impressive he's really athletic he's a he's a big boy and i definitely think he's going to get bigger and uh, on my other video i talked about eight young players in the regions who i'm looking forward to seeing this season and teddy williams is definitely one of them dan lydiot to me had one of his better games he was really impactful tackle wise what he's always good at but he was actually really good at actually uh, clearing out rucks and stuff a lot of the unseen stuff he was really good at it today. He was seemed really fit and up for it. And he looked like he was having a lot of fun playing against like Tipperick and Alan Wynne-Jones, who've been long-time teammates of his. Um, he looked like he was having fun out there, and it was great to see. Jack Morgan continues to impress, named as the sole captain now. So that does play to my theory that I talked about before, that Derry Lake was just given the co-captaincy because he's a way better talker to take the pressure off Jack Morgan and just let him play his natural game. Again, just a theory, but that seems like it could be right now. I don't know. Uh, Wainwright was good. He's really, really athletic and dynamic. He's, but to me, still more of a six. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought he had started developing into an eight, but he just doesn't. I don't know if it's the carrying is not like natural. I don't know. I don't know. If 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 it was up to me, I would be tempted in the Six Nations. If Morgan Morris continues to play the way he has last year and started this season, I really think he deserves a look. Even if you don't want to drop Wainwright, you can put him back to six. And I think Morgan Morris definitely needs uh, an opportunity because 
he's been brilliant for the Ospreys over the last like two years. He doesn't have a bad game and he always carries great. And I'd really like to see him on the international scene to see if he's got what it takes. Hopefully Faletau will be fit, but we just don't know. He's coming towards the end of his career. I really want to see Morgan Morris have a go. And a lot of people, again, in the comments have said the same thing. Team Plumtree came on, made a good impact. I've seen a few games of his now. Uh, I've watched a few games of his for the Scarlets. I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy has got. He's really raw. Um, he's involved in quite a lot, which is obviously good at back row. But um, he's still raw. He, he forces stuff, I've noticed. Um, but I think he's got a lot of potential. He's so versatile and dynamic. I think he's got a bright future. Came on, made a good impact and scored his try. It was just good heads up, playing the whistle. And uh, yeah, it was a good try. And, you know, got Wales sort of back. Uh, in control of that game because at one point the Barbarians looked like they were sort of wrestling the game back from Wales. Moving on to the halfbacks, Thomas Williams had a sort of an up and down game. He was really, um, I don't know, he, he was up, had moments of his best and then almost showed the same moment that let him down with like silly stuff like that forcing that stupid little uh, quick drop out. I get it, he probably wouldn't do that if it was like a real serious game. But, you know, you got to play the game properly. And that was a bit of a letdown for him. Interesting to see him go to 10. Um, I think that was just because they really wanted to give Lee Halfpenny the chance to come off and get his round of applause. So I got no, no problem with that. Um, Sam Costello, he was pretty good. Uh, it was a real shame that he had to go off. He was obviously hurt his shoulder and he breathed through it but then his hammy just went which is so unfortunate because he's the front runner and we really want to see him have a good run of games and um, yeah put make that jersey his own so it was a shame for him a shame for the Scarlets because that's going to be a few weeks now before we see him again unfortunately but I thought he had a pretty tidy game it was a bit scrappy um, so it's a little bit hard to control he's got to start taking control of these games now but that's going to come with maturity and age and experience and something that's going to come down the line the two halfbacks who came off the bench was Kevin Hardy he had actually really a good impact scored two tries didn't he I think it was two and um, yeah he was, he was, it was just heads up stuff so um, he'll be happy after obviously the disappointment of again left out of the World Cup squad and stuff like that um, he's got an opportunity now to get himself back in into the squad and wrestle uh, position back in out of the squad. Kai Evans, he, I thought he was a lot less impressive in this game as when he played against South Africa. He seemed very mature and very assured of himself when he played against South Africa, um, but he seemed like he was forcing it a bit. He tried those cross kicks, uh, I think it was two or three times. The first time sort of worked, but the execution wasn't perfect. The second time, I don't think it was even really on, and he kicked out on the full. Um, so that's something he's going to have to work on. He's obviously coming on trying to make an impression, which can't fault. Um, he's you know brave. He's good at kicking a goal, which is going to be useful. But then he went to fullback, and I thought he looked a lot more um, comfortable and assured. But I will be looking forward to, and I hope we do get to see more of him at 10 at the Dragons. As we move on to the centres, this I will hold my hand up. I was wrong about Nick Tompkins, but this was the 
centre partnership I wanted to see in the World Cup. I really do rate Johnny Williams and I've always loved George North. Um, I thought George North had a good day, but he made a couple of uh, errors where he butchered one or two overlaps. One was with a really poor pass. One was when he didn't give it to Dyer, who probably would have gone in if he did give it to him. Uh, Johnny Williams was good. He was carried really strong, but he sort of went missing through the middle period where we didn't really notice him. I didn't anyway, but um, yeah, that was a shame. I, I think he's got a chance to still steal that jersey because George North hasn't got a million years left. Um, I saw Jamie Roberts saying on Scrum 5 he'd like to see him through to the next World Cup, which he's more than capable of. But uh, I think his, his days are numbered, unfortunately. But I think Johnny Williams has got an opportunity to, you know, really put some pressure on that squad position because uh, Nick Tompkins obviously playing in Saracens. Johnny Williams is going to have that opportunity to be in Wales. I, I don't know if that counts for anything anymore. But And then Mason Grady coming off the bench made a good impact. He shows his athleticism every time he gets the tiniest bit of space with ball in hand and we just want to see more of it basically and then the the back three Tom Rogers looked really elusive with the ball he got his try he set up uh, one of the other tries for Wainwright just with a bit of good feet good balance running style um, I think he's got a good future we might see a bit more of him at fullback potentially if Josh Adams or Lewis Reese Samick comes back but they're going to have to be working really hard to force Rio Dyer out of that spot. That was 100% his best game for Wales. He's just electric. Every time I speak about Rio Dyer, I say he's electric. I need to come up with a, a new word to explain it. But that's just the best way you can describe it. He was literally the first half absolutely everywhere. Could have easily scored two, maybe three. Like I said, George North didn't put him in once or twice or give him a bad pass. There was one or two other opportunities he could have had. But just every time he has the ball, he looks exciting. He looks like he's going to break tackles. And, yeah, I thought he just had an excellent game. And Gatland obviously really likes him already. So it's going to be hard for um, someone to unhorse him. I think him and Reece Samet have probably got an opportunity now to make those jerseys their own. And Josh Adams is really going to have to battle to get back in that team. Before I finish talking about the squad and talk about Halfpenny, I have to talk about the other two Welsh greats that were on the pitch uh, for this game. But in fairness, what can I say? These three had really great performances. I've already spoke at length on a previous podcast about Alan and Jones and Tipperick when they announced their retirement. But they really showed in this game that they still have what it takes to play at this level, which is insane when you think of Alan Jones's age. He's been playing for Wales for like 18, 19 years. It's actually crazy. Tipperick, in fairness, was everywhere. He caused havoc at the ruck. Uh, he was his usual, his, his usual self, just around the park with ball in hand, putting players in space, just causing issues. He was everywhere, especially in that first half. You just noticed this. Blue, blue scrum cap and his long locks flying about the place and Alan and Jones I mean you could not have scripted a better final game for him man of the match even got over the whitewash which is something we didn't get an opportunity to see a lot of when he was playing before he's just what a servant to Welsh rugby and just rugby in general he's 
been absolutely fantastic for us. We even got him to see him taking a kick off in this game, which was great. And he looked like he was really enjoying himself. He was really up for it. And um, I think everyone, well, he had a massive round of applause when he scored that try. I think everyone was just really happy and he'll be sorely missed. But he could still carry on playing, especially for like the Ospreys or some uh, like a region or something like that. Maybe go to Fra uh, Japan, sorry. Uh, or something like that. He just showed that he still got it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's crazy at his age. But finally, we have to talk about Lee Halfpenny. It was his final game. He was. He, he, had, he had a really good game. To be fair, he showed the same bravery and defence in that game that he's shown through his whole career. I mean, that tackle he made, where he tackled the player and then got up and then tackled the scrum half, was was great. I've got. Really, so many memories of like Harpenny just nailing kicks for Wales, keeping them in games, winning games for them. The tackles he made, uh, the one tackle that will always stick in my head, it was against England, in, I'm pretty sure it was in Twickenham, and it was either for a year where we did end up winning the Grand Slam or the one when we knocked them out of the World Cup. I think it was the one when we knocked them out of the World, their own World Cup. Um, it was like the final few seconds of the game. They're pounding away at the line. They fling the ball out and it's just like a one-on-one -on -one tackle. I think it might have been Dave Strattle going in for the corner. Halfpenny just flies across, smashes him into touch, knocks himself out in the process, putting his head on the wrong side just to get the most of his body in the way of the tackle. Knocked himself out. Wales actually go on to win the game. And then when Halfpenny like comes around, apparently the first thing he said was, "Either did I stop the try or did we win?" And it just shows like where he that's all like all he cared about. He he was literally knocked out, and the first thing he wants to know is, "Did we win? Did we win?" So it just shows uh, how amazing he was. That's just one one of the things that always stuck in my mind for him. But um, yeah, I remember him coming through at Cardiff. And I remember him playing on the wing and he was he was so fast and he was just he didn't ever put a foot wrong, he was brilliant. And in all of the media you've seen and everything you've just heard from all of the players and all they've said is such a nice, humble, quiet bloke, but the ultimate consummate professional. So thank you, Lee Halfpenny, for your service. You've been amazing for Wales. Also thank you to Tipperick and Alwyn Jones who gave everything for the Welsh jersey so enjoy your retirement guys but before I sign off I haven't finished rambling on yet because I want to just have a little reflect on where Wales have come from in the last year under Warren Gatlin's new stewardship when he took over you think about the loss to Georgia and the PVAC where we were just we were never looking like winning games obviously Pivak won the Six Nations in his first um, outing, which was crazy, and it was a little bit of an anomaly. And we thought, well, if this is what it's going to be like, this is great. But it just after that, it just never, it never clicked. We couldn't seem to get the team selection right. We didn't know where we were going. We were coming, and, if we were coming and going, and then he got sacked, and apparently we were going back to Warren Gatland. And I usually would always say never go back but I have yep I've always had the utmost faith in Gatland and he came back and it actually looked the same if not worse and we were thinking oh god like has he come back and he's like sort of sullied his reputation with the Welsh fans 
everyone was patient with him but it wasn't really improving for a while which was worrying we had all of those issues with the strikes which was like probably difficult for him to deal with trying to keep the players motivated for the players to deal with it must have been horrible for them not knowing if they were going to have a job but he sort of helped steer them through that in fairness he was very candid when he was interviewed and they said if you knew all of this was going to happen would you have come back and he in fairness said probably not but i'm so glad it was him that was here he's a real steady pair of hands and then the six nations rolled around and it was well that was during the six nations and things were really not improving too much but he kept changing the squad tinkering trying players and eventually towards the end of the six nations started maybe looking like there was a little bit of improvement and then we had also the summer series which he used a lot of players and we were thinking what was his team nobody knows he was using players we we weren't really winning we got that win against england but we still weren't really winning going into the world cup what do we expect and in fairness he he delivered i mean we have to say it's disappointing that we got knocked out when we did because we were in some real good form and we were on top in that game against Argentina and realistically if we look at ourselves in the mirror well I wasn't playing but if they look at themselves in the mirror then they will say we could have easily won that game we didn't it is what it is but we have to probably take stock of everything that was going on and everything that's gone on in such a short space of time with a lot of players leaving before the World Cup as we talked about Alan Jones, Tipperick, also Reese Webb um, and for us not to have the foggiest idea of who the starting lineup were going to be going into that first game against Fiji to actually get to a quarter-final and then be disappointed we didn't get to the semis that just shows what how amazing how amazing we we actually did and how well he got those players in prime position and prime condition to perform for Wales. The only potential criticism that I will have, and it's just an opinion and it's an issue or a potential issue, is when we go into these tournaments, it's obviously legendary about these training camps and the players say how hard they work and I don't doubt it, you can see it on the pitch. But as tournaments have historically gone on, and this one was the same, as we've got later into the tournaments, it's naturally players are going to get injured, it's, it's unavoidable. And I don't know whether it's just because I'm paying more attention to Wales, but they seem to pick up more injuries than other teams later on in the tournament. If you think about if we'd have actually beaten Argentina, we probably wouldn't have had Liam Williams in that the next game. We probably wouldn't have had Dan Bigger. And there was a couple of other players. Falatau, obviously, that was just a freak thing. Nothing that you can do about that. But these players are sort of get pushed to the limit and no doubt the team knows exactly what they're doing they've got all of the technology and nutrition and stuff like that rest and stuff to make sure that players don't get injured but when you think they push teams to the limit for so long they were in camp for like two plus months and then the world cup i don't know whether it's something that takes its toll also the style of play where we want to concentrate so much on defense like 
anyone who's played rugby knows that defending is the hardest thing tackling is the hardest thing trying to counter ruck and stuff like that that that's the hardest most tiring thing and yes it works into our hands when we're super uber fit but is that what ends up taking its toll towards the end of these tournaments i don't know it's just it's just something that i've heard people talk about and when you actually think about it it does make a little bit of sense and just like a couple of stats to sort of back that up and this is by the time we'd lost in the quarters we got knocked out we'd made 837 tackles as a team and then as a whole 167 tackles more than any other team in the world cup and i mean that is a lot that's like a game full of tackles and it is bound is bound to take uh, its toll on players because you're putting your body through those contacts so much it's when we keep the ball on the pitch but look i don't want to criticize i know it's come sounds like i am and i guess i sort of am in a way but it's just something that i don't know whether it's something to look at in the future if this is what's going to continue to happen as gatland goes into another world cup cycle um maybe it's it's a reason it's it's the tactics I, I don't know i understand the tactics clearly work because like we said we performed way better than we we thought we would go into um and a lot of players stepped up and had great performances i mean top, uh, will Rowland was our top tackler 65 tackles i mean that was crazy uh, jack morgan was the closest behind him one uh, with 61 so there's a lot of tackles between two players do you know what i mean that is is, is insane but I, I don't want uh, to sound like i'm criticizing because um, i'm not i'm not i'm just saying it's something this uh, someone spoke people have spoke to me about and i think it's well worth talking about you know at the end of the day i gotta talk about stuff so yeah that's just uh, my sort of wider point of view but I, like I said, Gatland has done an amazing job. The team needs to be really proud of itself. It's in a real interesting but exciting transition period now where we've got a lot of young players coming through and a lot of senior players retiring and moving on. So it's going to be an opportunity now to test um, some of these youngsters now. And also we're going to see a lot more youngsters playing at the regional level, which I think is great. I know it's going to be difficult. I've watched uh, quite a lot of the regions play so far this season and at times the standard hasn't been great i mean that game the blues against the dragons the other day that was difficult to watch but it's great that we're going to get a lot of these young players blooded and we're going to see if they're good enough there's no point having young all these young players saying oh they're great they're great they could they got all this potential and they're not giving them an opportunity but they're going to get it so that's a good thing and one final thing before I finish, I have to touch on Nick Tompkins. I panned him, I've panned him from the moment I started this channel and podcast, and I've panned him the whole time, and I've panned him to anyone who will listen to me outside on here. I've just said how bad he is. I don't ever see you. I don't see what he does. I don't know why he's anywhere near the team. He's stealing a career from someone. He's totally proved me wrong. I mean, he was phenomenal in this world cup in attack he was brilliant he defended good his tackling's not great but i think he reads the the, the he gets in good positions to tackle it's just his tackling is not great but he's not a big guy but his distribution has improved no end he was putting players in space which is something he didn't do um so yeah 
I take my hat off to you, Nick Tompkins. If I ever see you, I owe you a beer because I've absolutely rinsed you for pretty much a year straight. So that's it. Uh, just want to thank all the listeners. Thanks for listening. I will catch you on the next one. Have a good day.